This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, I welcome you. Jesus is still on the throne. He's still a rock that doesn't roll. It's good for the body. He's great for the soul. So it's good to have you here tonight. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Ushers would get you a Bible. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We are on our portion of our tithes and offerings. And so we were here last week in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So we'll go back there just as they're getting you a Bible. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Actually, if you don't have a Bible and you need a Bible, just take that and keep it, okay? We'll sow it to you. We'll put the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, according to Ephesians 6, right there in your hand. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, last week, if you were here, we were in verses 6 and 7. I'm going to jump down to verse 10. And this is a verse, boy, if you'll let this soak in your heart, it'll, it'll change you right here. So the Apostle Paul says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. So the same God who supplies me and you seed to sow is the same God that will grace us with our daily bread. And he goes on to say, and he will supply and multiply the seed you have sown. Now, when he says he'll supply the seed, literally what that is talking about is the increase in your life, or better yet, maybe a, a paycheck, your income. That God is the one that will supply the seed. So the seed is every time that I get paid and blessed, I'm, I'm to honor God with that seed. And it's interesting that he says he will not only supply the seed, but he also said, and the seed you have sown. Now, if you look at what he's talking about here, the only way that he multiplies is the seed is for you to sow it. If you don't sow a seed, don't, don't expect it to be multiplied. And so he's telling us right there, he's going to supply every one of us with seed. Let me ask right here, how many of you get a paycheck sometime throughout the month or some form of increase? If you didn't raise your hand, we're going to have to help you, okay? And so right there, that seed that he gives me and you. Now, every sacrifice is based on preference, but I've got to get a place in my life where I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to sow seed. And it's interesting. He said, not only am I going to supply you with seed, he said, I'll multiply it. Now, I love that right there. He didn't say I'll add to it. He said, I'll, I'll multiply it. God's not into addition. He's in multiplication. Why? And I will increase the fruits of your righteousness. So he says, I'll multiply the seed as you sow it so that there will be a harvest of your generosity will grow. That's what he's saying. He said, I, I want to bless you. Now, when he talks about right here that, that the, the seeds that you've sown will increase the fruits of your righteousness, to me, this all goes back to Genesis 12, the covenant that he made with Abraham. And he said to Abraham, he said, I want to bless you. I want to multiply you. I want to make your name great. But the fourth great thing he said in there, he said, I want to bless you to be a blessing. 
And this is what he's talking about, that, that the fruits of righteousness, man, they, they need to be increased. So how does that happen, man? I begin to sow those seeds, and he begins to multiply them. And I, I don't know if you've ever dreamed about blessing people. Anybody in here dreamed about blessing people? Man, I do that all the time. I, I love for opportunities to bless folk. Well, this is what he's talking about right here. But remember, the only way he can multiply that seed is how you sow it. Hmm. Let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight. We, we thank you for your word again, even in this area. Lord, we just pray your blessings right now. And Father God, grace us in this area, in the area that we sow the seed here. And Father God, I thank you. Your word's true here that you'll, you'll multiply this. And we give you glory and honor for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, we, we appreciate your faithfulness in this area. If you got your Bible, go with me to the book of Habakkuk. Can you say, who? Habakkuk. And he's, he's back to the latter part of the, the Old Testament. Actually, he's tucked in there between Nahum and Zephaniah. And you say, where the crud is that? Well, it's probably where all your pages are stuck together. The book of Habakkuk. So we're on the area of, of faith again tonight. So in the book of Luke chapter 17, the disciples said to the Lord Jesus, they said, Lord, increase our faith. I increase our faith. Anybody in here ever need your faith increased? And I welcome increasing my faith. So they said, increase our faith. And so they're literally saying, Lord, why don't you just go ahead and, and supersize our faith? A, a faith that would cause the impossible to happen in my life. Can any of you in here use some faith that would say, man, it's, it's going to move God to take the impossible and make it possible. I, I love the faith like that. And, and so when we talk about this here, God desires to, to stretch our faith. He desires to increase our faith. And it's interesting how God begins to do that. And so we go to the book of Habakkuk. And, and we start here in Habakkuk 1, verse 1. Now, Habakkuk's only three chapters, so it's very small. Habakkuk was a prophet, so he says here in verse 1, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. So when it says here the burden, this, this man of God, man, he, he's got this burden. It's, it's like a problem. This is the problem that I see. And before we, we read any more about this, God welcomes our questions. Do you know that? God welcomes our questions. Let me tell you something. Not only does he welcome our questions, you must be prepared that the answers that he's going to give you with your, your, your questions may not be what you expect. Now, he's okay with you answering him questions. So when you look at this right here, this is exactly what, what Habakkuk's doing. He begins to ask God some questions. Verse 2. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? I'll cry for help and you won't hear. Even cry out to you violence and, and you will not save. So Habakkuk right here, he calls on God to set into order the nation, the people of this nation who are mistreating others. 
And, and he's saying right here, why doesn't a good God stop the existence of evil? In other words, God, what's up? You see all this. And this is the question he's asking God. Verse 3. And why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble or wrong for all the plundering and violence and the destruction that is before me and there is strife and contention arises. So God right here is charged with passivity for allowing these evil actions to continue. He said, why do you just allow? And if you'll notice what he said, he said, trouble plundering, violence, strife, and contentions. Verse four, therefore the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous or they're just far outnumbered. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. And so the perverse judgment here results when evil men control the justice system and are overturning the righteous decisions. We got a lot of that going on right now. So Habakkuk, he's pouring out his heart to God. And he asked all these questions. And now look at the response that God gives in verse 5. Look among the nations and watch. Just look at the nations and watch. Be utterly astonished or amazed. In other words, you better hold your britches up because you're getting ready to get blessed. For I will work in your days which you would not believe though it were told you. And so it's going to be so marvelous. It's going to be so extraordinary. It's going to be so incredible that some people can't even believe it. And so it's incredible what he gets over to Habakkuk. To and you know what I think he's saying in there, and I believe he says this to us right now. Don't limit me. Don't try to put me in a box. You don't spell your name, capital G-O-D. Don't limit me, okay? So we go through this, and we get to the last chapter, chapter 3. And we go to verse 17. And now this is at the end of his life or the end of this, this passage here, but things have changed. And he says, verse 17, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor there not be any fruit on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food or barren, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Now, he looks like it's very dismal right there. It looks pretty grim. Now, listen to what he says. Verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I, I will rejoice in the Lord. Why is that? I will joy in the God of my salvation. In other words, what Habakkuk is saying here, whatever happens to me, I'm going to praise the Lord. I don't care what takes place in my, 
I'm going to praise the Lord. Now, I believe when he's saying this, this is his faith is speaking. When life comes at me, I'm going to praise the Lord. And I can tell you right now, life comes at every one of us. You know, when I was studying this, one of my favorite psalms, and it's a hallmark psalm, is Psalm 23. And many of you would know that. It, it starts out, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know what King David's saying? There may be seasons in your life that you're in this valley, and on this side it looks like death, and on this side it looks like death. But when he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he said, I fear no evil. For you're with me, your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then in Psalm 23, 6, he says this. Surely, surely, his goodness and his mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And, and when I read that, it's like, it's like uh, uh, King David He's coming out of the valley of the shadow. He realizes that all hell is broke loose in my life, but I didn't pitch a tent in the valley of the shadow of death. I kept walking on through it. And when I walk on through those trials and tribulations in my life, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And, and so you got a backpack. God puts a backpack on your, your back and he says, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And I believe that's what Habakkuk got to a place. No matter what life throws at me, I'm going to praise God. Now look what he ends with in verse 19. He said, the Lord God is my strength. The Lord God is my strength. When you're in situations in your life that you got about a half a nostril out of water, Ask God for strength. I'm telling you, ask God for strength. I, I welcome your strength. Man, there was some things going on today and, and my mind was everywhere, just all over the place. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I need your strength. I just need your strength. You want a verse for that? That's Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. Well, welcome his strength. And so he said, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. I'm going to be sure-footed. And he will make me walk on my high heels. And so when you see this right here, when, when you know God's character, you know you can trust him even in the dark. He, he was the source of joy right here. And so it becomes an area of faith where my faith is this. I don't care what life throws at me. I'm going to trust God. You know, King David said this. He said, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Whoo, those are statements of faith. Now turn with me back in the New Testament to the book of John. John chapter five. John chapter five. And as we go here, this is a passage that you're going to see how God, God wants to stretch our faith, but he doesn't want us to limit him. And he sure doesn't want us to think, well, this is how God's always going to move. 
You know, when I, when I look at the Lord Jesus' life, man, he did stuff different all the time. I mean, let me ask you something. When's the last time you spit in the ground and took some of that mud and rubbed it on some blind guy's eyes? Anybody ever done that? Now, if you do that, you better be for sure that, that you know you're being led by the Spirit of God because if it isn't God, you're probably gonna get your head knocked off. <laughs> but when I looked at the, the things that Jesus did, it, it, it never was in a box. It was like, okay, okay. John chapter five, verse one. After this, there were a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So Jesus is back in Jerusalem and there's a big feast going on. Verse two. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool. So when you see this phrase, the sheep gate, this is at the temple where the sacrificial animals were brought into the temple. They called it the sheep gate. This is when they would have to sacrifice the animals right there at the altar. Thank God we don't do that anymore. Jesus did that for us. So at this place called the sheep gate, there was a pool. Which, in, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, which means the house of loving kindness. It means the pool of mercy near the sheep gate. It also means the place of outpouring. It also has the meaning, the house of grace. So man, you get over this swimming pool, man. There were reasons it was named all what we just read. There was purpose in that. And so at this pool in, in Bethesda, it was having five porches. And so these five porches would be better stated, these covered walkways. Now, why would there be covered walkways? Verse three. In these, in the, in these lay a great multitude. So in these covered walkways, these porches, there was a great multitude. Now, it doesn't say how many. But when you go back and you read the passages that like even when Jesus fed the 5,000, it said there was great multitudes, there were great crowds. Actually, when he fed the 5,000, most of them believed with men and women and children, it was more close to 15,000. So again, I don't know how many, I, I don't know how many are at the, the, the pool at the sheep gate. But I believe this when I read this, that Every, every square inch that people could get, they came and they crowded in. They were all right there. Why? Well, let's keep reading. So at the sheep gate, at the pool, lay these great multitude of who? Sick folk, the blind folk, the lame folk, the paralyzed folk. And they were waiting for the moving of the water which literally had a meaning of a supernatural healing. Actually, most believed that it was God's grace that was present. Now, it's interesting right here that it says, for the moving of the water. So what happened with the moving of the water? For an angel went down at a certain time in the pool, and he stirred up the water. So what you begin to get here is periodically... This angel would move down in the water and the water would begin to stir. 
Again, I told you, don't put God in a box. <laughs> don't limit him. And when I read this, we're all like, man, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But God still moved. So he said, and it stirred the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, you got, you got to get a picture of this, okay? We've got the pool. And we got a, a, a multitude of crowds. I mean, it is packed in there. And evidently, they would all stand around. And, and they would watch when this angel would move periodically. And that water would begin to stir. And it says, whoever... Whoever, the best definition for whoever is whoever. Whoever was the first one that got in, they were healed of whatever disease that it was. So we picture this. Man, they're all watching and, and, and the water starts stirring. Can, can you imagine this? I mean, there, there, there's multitudes. And so, I mean, I'm probably not supposed to do this, but I'm gonna do it. I'm on camera, that's why I said that. Not that I can't jump. I mean, they're, they're diving in. They're, they're shoving ever, trying to get in. Because they knew whoever gets in first. So guess what happens every time that happens? Out of the multitude of people that are there, there's one that he's skipping. He's like, yes. But not everybody else. <laughs> Suckers. No, he didn't mean that. No, no. Only that one. Now you think about that. I mean, this would be like the pool. And you would think there would be people that are just sitting right here. Now when it, when it begins to move, man, I'm in. I mean, if you, if you can't do that, you sit right there and you just try to roll in. Man, I got to get in. So I begin to picture this. I'm thinking, man, this is incredible. If you're the first one. Verse five. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. 38 years. A deep-seated, lingering disorder. 38 years. Now, one thing it doesn't tell me, it doesn't tell me that he's pitched a tent there for 38 straight years. I don't know how often he had been there, but he had had this disease, this infirmity for 38 years. 38 years is a long time. How many in here aren't even 38 yet? And you're like, that's a long time. There's a bunch of you. 38's a long time. Verse 6. And when Jesus saw him lying there, when Jesus saw him lying there, Jesus saw the condition he was in. He sees him lying there. And, and oftentimes in the New Testament with the Lord Jesus, you'll, you'll see this phrase. And Jesus was moved with compassion. So he sees this dude laying there and and by the way he's laying there, Jesus realizes something. Look what he says here. He knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. 
Just, just looking at him. He can tell. So Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? And I kind of look at that and I think, what type of question is that to somebody who's been this way for 38 years? That question seems pretty simple. It's like asking a broke man, how would you like a million dollars? But, but there's something in this that, that you got to see. And so when Jesus asked this, do you want to be made well? Are, are, are you ready to abandon how you see yourself? And so when he says this, does God look for our permission to move in our lives? And what I mean by that is, James said, you have not because you ask not. And so was Jesus saying, would you like to be healed? Was he saying, come on, sir, come on, hook up with me here. Now, each one of us in here, we may have different issues in our life right now. But whatever the issue is in your life, what would happen if Jesus looked at you and said, Madeline, do you want to be made well? Do you really want that job? What, whatever it is. So we put ourselves in the story. What, what would your response be to Jesus if he asked that? Now, look at verse 7 and his response. The sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. In other words, there's no way I can be healed. No one can put me into the pool. When the water stirred up, but while I'm coming in, another steps down before me. I have no one to help me. Every time the, the healing opportunity comes, I have no one to help me. Everyone beats me. And, and so the guy's situation seemed helpless in his eyes. But if you look at this right here, Jesus said, sir, do you want to be made, well, made whole? And look at this. He never answered the question. He has his list of excuses why it won't happen. Wow. See, if Jesus asked you, what would you say? I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. It's amazing to me how many people with stuff like this in situations life that say, well, well, God would do it for you, but he wouldn't do it for me. Just answer the question. I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, Jesus said, come on, pal, come on, just hook up with me. Verse 8. And Jesus said to him, rise, get up, and take up your bed and walk. Because wherever your bed is, is where your home is. And you're no longer going to be sleeping in a place of despair. Get up and walk because your home is fixing to change. Verse 9, and immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. Now, Jesus had a bad habit, and you know what his bad habit was? He liked to heal on the Sabbath. Uh-oh. Verse 10, the Jews therefore said to him, 
Who was cured? It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And so this miraculous healing becomes a problem. But it wasn't a problem for Jesus. But in the eyes of the religious, picking up your mat was work. So they literally tried to put human restrictions on acts of mercy. Now, I don't know about you, but if I've been in this situation for 38 stinking years, I don't give a flip what day it is. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Woohoo! Uh-oh. So we're getting into something here. Now, when they say this, these are people that majored in religion. They majored in religion. But guess what? They never aided this man in healing. Ever. Never did one of them volunteer and say, we're going to be right there with you in the pool. And the next time we go, and that water moves, in you go. What? You're in, pal. And if I really wanted to aid, aid him, I'd put my foot right there on his back. Hope you can swim, Larry. <laughs> but they never volunteered for any of that. Huh. Verse 11. And he answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. So the guy with the infirmity for 38 years, he's not ratting Jesus off. You know what he's saying? I prefer to listen to what Jesus says than what you knuckleheads say. In other words, I'm, I'm telling you, you, you need to listen to the word of God. You need to listen to what Jesus says because something happens when we listen to Jesus. When Jesus says, get up and walk, get up and walk. Verse 12. Then they ask him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Who is this man? Verse 13. But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Wow. Jesus wasn't running from, from fear. Now watch what happens in verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. This guy was at church afterward. Jesus strolls back into the temple. And he says, there he is right there. And Jesus said to him, see? In other words, look at you now, buddy. Look at you now. See, you have been made well. But he ends with an interesting statement. He says, sin no more. Don't continue in sinning any longer. Don't return to a life of sinning. Don't do it. Why would Jesus say that? Lest the worst thing come upon you. So when I read this here, was it possible 
that this man had unaddressed sin in his life? I believe there's a warning in this for every one of us. That's why it's so important that when we blow it, anybody blow it today? Man, I repent. I keep my heart right because he said, don't sin no more. You know why Jesus said that? In Romans 6, 23, says the wages of sin is death. The compensation of, of sin. And so I, I love this because Jesus not only healed him, Jesus told him the truth. Jesus didn't tell him what he wanted to hear. Jesus told him what he needed to hear. And so when I read this story, don't put God in a box. Don't try to limit God. I, I don't know how God's going to do. Because when I read these passages in the New Testament with Jesus, they're all different. I mean, Jesus does some of the bizarre things in the eyes of mankind. But he loved people. Now, I'm going to ask you to stand up here. Just bow your head right there and close your eyes right there where you're at. And maybe you haven't had an infirmity for 38 years. Maybe you have. Maybe you've been dominated by a certain type of a sin in your life for 38 years. Maybe there's something that and you just can't get over the hump in your life with. And I don't say that to throw stones at us because we're all human beings. We've all, been met, we've all made mistakes. But just act right now with your eyes closed that Jesus strolls in and he looks at you and says, would you like to be healed today? Would you like to be set free today? Would you like to be forgiven today? And what would your answer be? Oh, Lord Jesus, I welcome you to heal me. I welcome you to set me free. I welcome to repent and you would forgive me. And so when you look at the Lord Jesus, you don't get saved because you're a good person. You get saved by grace through faith, but what that actually means is you ask Jesus to come into your heart. It's like salvation. Jesus is saying, do you want to be saved today? Well, Jesus, I've messed up for my whole my life. I did this and this and this and this. And every time I run with Johnny, I sin. And every time I run with Susie, I sin. And when I get around Judy with the attitude, I act like her. And Jesus then just shut up and answer the question. You want to be made whole. You want to be forgiven. And so right now, Lord, we just ask right here. We hear you ask and we answer the question right now. Lord, heal us in Jesus' name. Set us free in Jesus' name. Deliver us in Jesus. Forgive us in Jesus' name as we repent. And Lord, we just thank you. We just thank you for increasing our faith in this area. Stretch us here tonight. Lord, just breathe on us right now. Your love and your compassion right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
You know what's interesting about all these passages with Jesus? I mean, after he heals them and said some free, he says, go and sin no more. Remember to the woman that was caught in adultery? He said, I don't condemn you. Just go and sin no more. But never one time in any of those accounts with Jesus does he look at a human being and says, why don't you get your crap together and then I'll take care of you. You know why? Because Jesus knows we can't do that without him. He loves you just how you are. He loves you just how you are. Right there how you are. You're not a surprise to him. You're not a mystery. But he loves us. Come on, let's clap to the Lord. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.